Hi, I'm Sean Horn, founder and CEO of BeBell.ie. So what is BeBell? Well, it's a place of positivity. It's a place where you can be happy, be kind, be bold, feel supported and encouraged to fulfill your dreams. So join us on social at BeBell.ie for future events and upcoming podcasts. Hi and welcome to BeBell Podcast. Today, um, I hope you enjoy this one. I met Kleena a few years ago now, actually, and we speak a little bit about it in the podcast. But as always, I found out loads of new things. Um, So we delve back into her history, her love for hockey, her teaching. I didn't know she was a teacher. That was hilarious. Um, And also we talked about some serious things, just about how we navigate social media as we move forward. So I hope you really, really enjoy. She gives an amazing book review at the end. And uh, yeah, enjoy. Kleena, welcome. How are you? I am good. Thank you so much for having me. I was like sitting at home, drumming my fingers, waiting for the invite. (laughs) Well, I was going to say, I've I've been kind of, I I keep saying it to you, you must come on, you must come on. And then we just never get round to it. We kept making casual arrangements and then thinking we kind of made an arrangement and put it on the long finger. And I know, but now you've done this, I'll be, I'll be tapping you up for all of the podcasts. <laughs> well, I don't know how much um, business clout I have to impart on the other ones. but Well, I think you underestimate yourself. I think you've got a lot to teach other people, but obviously today is B-Bell and B-Bell is all about you and all about your story. So tell me, where did it all begin? Um, the Bond Secures Hospital. Okay. 1976, the last day. I'm actually bitter because I was born on New Year's Eve and I was supposed to be born on the 15th of January. But it absolutely decimated my juvenile sporting career. Yes. <laughs> I'm, I, but I don't, you know, I don't hold a grudge against my mother. She's like, it's your own fault, Tina. You were two weeks early. Oh, bless. And so, so where did you grow up? Were you always Cork City? Whereabouts did you grow up? No, I grew up in Kilworth. It's um, actually, unless you were kind of from North Cork, a lot of people I, I found in the city back in the like the 90s, I suppose, when I would have been playing hockey, they'd be like, where's that? But now everyone knows where it is because it's on the sign on the motorway. Yes. <laughs> like, hey, big sign on the motorway. Um, so I grew up, when I grew up, like there was only 800 people in the parish. So like it was a small, like, that was the whole parish. It was a small little village. Um, everyone knew everyone. Really nice. I, I, you know, no drama. Absolutely. I had a fat childhood, to be honest. And did you have siblings? I did. I have an older brother and I have a younger sister. So my brother's in London and my sister's in Waterford. So both equally difficult to get to at the moment. Yes. And <laughs> and so, like, look, we have to obviously hit a, you're the middle child. Um, do you, do you... Unloved middle child. <laughs> so I, I know a lot of middle children. Oh, and wow. my mum was saying, you know, you, you make friends with middle children all the time. But I was a middle child for, I'd say, about eight years because there's big gaps between me and my sisters. Okay, yeah. um, and I do think what they say about middle children is true. <laughs> Middle child. Yeah, because I always used to be like, my sister was always too too old and too wise to have done it. My younger sister was the baby, so I was always just right. Now, most of the time I had done it, in fairness, 
but um, it's a bit yeah. like the, the cry wolf. So I, I did get that label for a long time, the middle child, the madness. Oh, I thought I'm like, if you looked up middle child in the dictionary, you'd probably find my photograph. <laughs> like, I remember the day my wedding, my dad stood up and he was like, part of his speech, he was, his, you know, his advice was to, to, you know, just don't try to understand her, just love her. <laughs> I love that. I absolutely love that. And so growing up, be, being the middle child, but um, so small parish, obviously. Yeah. What did you sort of go towards? Like who were who, who was your gang? Like I was very sporty. I was in like that sports gang. I wasn't very, uh, I, I didn't love school for the education side, let's say. Well, I was just like, um, well, actually when I grew up, there was nine girls in my class and there was 13 boys and there was only one class per for a year and then the way it was in, in Kilworth at the time is there was a junior school and a senior school so there was in the junior school was like junior infants to second class okay and the senior school was at the other side of the village so it was like kind of a progression um I think do you know what like back in those days there was kind of no it's not that there was no formal sports in school but we just went out the yard and we played and you just yeah. played whatever was cool to play that week and but we ran around and like there was no after school kind of football for the girls anyway, you know, and there was nothing in, in that sense. But I would have, my mum and I would have been great. Like we would have done, um, like, okay, I did Irish dancing for like a few weeks. I was really bad at it. I remember I had this teacher, Miss Monaghan, and oh my God, she, like, I couldn't even do the threes. I was, I was that bad. I'd say she was just willing me to leave. Um, and then, like, do you know, the brownies were the thing in those days and swim, swimming club. Absolutely. My mom brought us a swimming club when we were like seven or eight for my swimming club and loved it. Like, yeah, absolutely lived. I would have happily swam every day if we had the opportunity. But we didn't back in the day because, you know, just different times. And but yeah, so I, yeah. I would always have been sporty, but it wasn't a decision like it was just what you did. And did you know then that sport would 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 take hold of you? Because I know you you moved on then and you did sport, didn't you? In yeah, Los I did. Um, like in university. Yeah, I did, yeah, I did a BSc in chemistry and sports science and PE, and then I did a PGC, which is like a HDIP in PE teaching. So it was, it was a little different what I did. Like it wasn't you know the way a lot in Ireland we say you can study PE teaching. I did a BSc, and then afterwards I had to do my teaching. If that makes sense. But um. <laughs> No, did I know it would take hold of me? No, and I never made a decision for it to take hold of me. I just did what felt interesting and fun. And I do remember um, loving swimming so much and our pool had to close because it needed a new roof. And I remember seeing a local girl who had gone into first year in Loretto and Fumoy with a hockey stick. And I remember saying to my mom, oh, look, her hockey up is cool, but I'm never going to play hockey because I like swimming too much. And I remember my mom saying, no, like, don't decide now until you go to secondary school. Okay. Make it, and then it became my sport. Like it became what I did for the next probably 15 years. So it's, it's really weird how you can, if you leave yourself open to doing things. And it's, it was good advice from my mom, I thought. It was like, just, you know, you don't need to decide that now. So, yeah. I remember actually myself at sort of, I mean, the, the ages, I suppose about 12, 13 is when we had to make decisions on sports mm -hmm. in our sort of senior school. Because I did everything, netball, tennis, Netball, like the strangest sport. We don't get that in Ireland at all. We don't, and it's huge. Oh, it's in mad. All the Commonwealth countries, it's huge. Yeah. And I, I, I had to play in Loughborough, and you have to have so much discipline to play netball. 
I don't have that. It is. It's a really good game. Actually, I'd like the, um, there is a team in Dublin that uh, a couple of my friends play with, but um, it is a really good game. Like people would like, it's just basketball, but you, it's not as much fun because you can't run. But it's actually a really, really good game. But I'd say you'd make a brilliant goal attack. Yeah, yeah, I, but is that, I can't, sh- like, you should see me now in front of a basketball hoop. Like, it's embarrassing. Like, if you're going to give me 100 shots, I might get one in. Okay, wing attack maybe then. Yeah. <laughs> I would probably shove that in the wing. It's fine. No, absolutely. But, um, so you made that decision that hockey was going to be your game. Like, where do you go at that age? Like, how, how often can you play and how, you know, how far can you go? Well, like, it's different now. I mean... Oh my God, women's hockey in Ireland is yeah. one of the biggest success stories. I think women's football as well. You know, they're two huge success stories in the last 10, 15 years. Um, but when I was growing, when I was like 13, when I 12 or 13, when you started secondary school, like it's all, it, it really was down to the PE teachers. Like yeah. they were the people who did it. And um, we just did a little bit in, in class and then they had a little club after school and you, you'd go twice a week and you'd play a game. So you'd probably have hockey three times a week. And it was the end of your world if the intercom came on during the day and they were like, hockey's cancelled because the pitch is flooded. Because we used to have those grit pitches. Yes. And you would be devastated for the day. You'd be like, oh, there's no hockey today. I'm gutted. Or if you were going on a bus to match and it got cancelled, you'd just be so like gutted. <clears throat> but I played that. And then nowadays it's different. Nowadays they start in their first class and I coach now and, you know, it's, it's a completely different system. But um, I would have played and then I would have gotten selected for like provincial teams. So I would have gotten to play like at weekends and you'd have interpros. And then when I was under 21, you did like, you know, your Irish squads and stuff. So, and then I went to England and it was like starting all over again. I got there and it, it just like, when you go to Loughborough especially, like yeah. the fourth team players play county hockey which is like playing provincial hockey here nearly. So I got there and the first and second team was already decided in pre-season and you get there and you're, you go into the system and I got put on the third team and I eventually ended up on the first team. But like it took a while, you have to like fight your way to the top in places like that. And um, it was cool, like we got to play National League and sponsored by Adidas and you have your sticks and it, it was just the best fun. And was it quite overwhelming, like moving from Kilworth to to go to Loughborough and? Yeah, well, yeah, like it's funny because I, I don't know what it's like now. Back in the day, like Loughborough is like the place to study sport. And um, but not a lot of people in Ireland at the time had really heard of it, you know, because okay. I suppose there would have been a strong tradition of going to Strawberry Hill, which is also like an amazing place. It's more of a teaching. Well, Loughborough is too, but it, there would have been more of a tradition um, to go to Strawberry Hill. But my dad's big into education. He'd be reading all the league tables of the universities. He's like, no, this is where you need to go. So I got in and I actually deferred it because I was too scared to go the first year. Okay. And I just chickened out. Um, so I did, I started biochemistry in UCC and I did a year of that night. Oh my God, I loved UCC. Like I played hockey. We had the inter-varsities. You know, it was the best time. But I just knew that I didn't love my course. And so I decided it was kind of eating away at me that I hadn't taken this opportunity. So I, I decided to go my second year, but I was really lucky because my best friend um, was in UCC as well doing food science and she she had always wanted to be a PE teacher. So her mom sent in her 
Ucus form, Ucus, I never know how you pronounce that. And um, she got accepted. Amazing. So you got to spend her results. Her mom said, Look, I'm going to fill in the form, send them in. You don't. And then she got in. And so we went together. So it was really good moral support that um, the two of us headed off for five years. And did you have to work through uni or how did it go for well, you? I was really lucky. Um, my mom and dad. So I went to Loughborough's a very campus based university. Yes. So like there's 19 halls of residence. So like everyone who goes in in first year goes into a hall of residence. And um, and maybe second or third year they might live out. It depends. A lot of would live out in third year or, or for their postgrad. Um, so I, I went to a fully catered hall. So that's, and I know that sounds, it is, oh my God, an amazing opportunity. Like you just go in and you, your food is ready and you, it's like a restaurant, you know, but you obviously like these days obviously people know you for your food like was the food good what was it like I always ask like, I remember going like on Saturdays and Sundays you'd have brunch and like the tomatoes were you know the tins of tomato the plum tomatoes yeah stewed you know no the food look look the food is fine we started a petition my friend who came with me she actually organized that they bring the cereal bar in for dinner <laughs> this was like a big thing and eventually they passed a motion and I had to go through all the thing and the, the cereal bar got rolled out at dinner time look there, there was there was salad there there was good food there it was it was like a typical like I'm imagining I yes. would strongly suspect that there are better options now than there was in yeah. I, I was there from 96 to 2000 but um come here we used to go to the market on a Saturday and we used to buy this big massive white slice pan of you know did you ever hear Warburton's bread oh yeah Warburton's it's yeah. like legendary so we used to get like the big slice pan of Warburton and we used to make vegetables in the market and we used to make a big bowl of vegetable soup and like eat the whole slice pan and we we're like we are so healthy this is enough yeah. scratch like we are so healthy we've just had the whole <laughs> slice pan we and there I was studying like sports nutrition and <laughs> horsing into lo- loaves of <laughs> but, I love like, we we um like I played hockey was it? I was playing six days a week at one stage. Wow. Do you know what I mean? And then I I um, took up athletics uh, for my last year. You know, so like you're so active there. And, you know, the, if you weren't playing university sport, you were playing intramural sports. We all played, there was like everything. Yes. Leaning to swimming, to softball, to rounders, to like uh, rugby league, rugby union, everything you had, a girls tournament versus you'd play all the different halls. And it was a big, it was a big thing. The only rule was if you played sport for your university on a university team, you weren't allowed to play that sport on the intramural team. Okay. Which is a good rule. Yeah, no, absolutely. I have a lot of friends that went there. So um, we were very, yeah, we were, we like, obviously a while before you went, but um, I came from a really sporty school. So a lot of my friends went in that direction. Um, But for you, I suppose, obviously you studied PE teacher. So when you left, where did you go? Oh my God, this is a story and a half. So I left, um, I did my undergrad, we'd say for three years, then I did my postgrad for one year. And then there was kind of a, the, um, what do they call it? A probationary teaching yes. over there. So I decided, look, I may as well do that before I come home, you know, because it just gets rid of the gray area as to whether you're properly qualified or not. So I literally went on the newspaper and I was like, oh, there's a job there for um, a P and something else teacher, but they're not really sure what the something else is, but send in your CV. And so I was like, grand job. It was in Nottingham. 
So I sent in my CV and they brought me in and they interviewed loads of different people, but like loads of different subjects. You know, they, they hadn't even, yeah. I don't think they even knew what they were looking for. <laughs> anyway, I, I ended up getting the job, but um, I had done no real research into school, like, and, you know, the ethos and the, you know, the girls' school, it was, it was about, oh, was it five or 600 girls, more maybe. And um, it was in a quite a socially deprived area in Nottingham. So it, was, it was tough, like it was tough times. Yeah. And, um, and it was, it was, it was, it was funny as well. Like it was, it was a, a, the, the, the demographic, we'll say, Lucy, there, there was a third kind of white, third Afro-American or black and a third Asian. There's a huge Asian um, population. Yes. And um, in, in Nottingham and so while it was like a wonderful melting pot of you know learning and the girls would be teaching me Mendy you know when they were supposed to be doing their science labs and all this <laughs> at the same it was the first time I really encountered loads of racism even amongst the kids like in when I grew up in Ireland like you know Ireland was very white in the 80s like as in it just it's just a fact like it was like as in and then you wouldn't even understand that these things happen like and that they use their their race as a slur. You know what I mean? Because yes, and, um, no. I mean it's it's really weird. And actually, I was talking on another podcast recently with somebody, and you know, I I still think Ireland is very white. Having grown up in central London, yes, yes. Um, you know, when I first moved here in two thousand, I was like really confused. I I was like, where is everyone? Like, where's all the normal people? You know, because I was like, this is really bad Irish ones. Yeah, no, but but even I suppose actually, so I went to mixed school, you went to mixed school. So going into an all girls school, did you see the difference in the dynamic there? Um, when I was like going to secondary school, or as in I went to an all girls secondary school. Okay, did you notice the difference in like dynamic from being in a mix, like Oh yeah, like I think there's, I think there's an element as well, especially I, I suppose my own experiences at junior level, there's an ele- there's an element of more chilled out, I think, when yeah. the boys are in the mix with the girls. But um, I mean, I can't imagine what it's like now. I, I'd imagine it's it's even completely yeah. what it was. I I used to notice a massive difference between my girlfriends and boyfriends that went to single sex schools and then like. Yeah. Um, kind of the, act around boys, I suppose a bit. Yeah, so we, and we had a boys' school right across the road from our from our school, and like you know, you'd meet them at lunchtime and you'd meet them after school. So, like you'd still have that free time interaction with them, I suppose, to, to a degree, yes. to a degree. Whereas I suppose some girls and some guys they mightn't have that if their schools were geographically not across the road. You know, as in yeah, and like and and like I went to school in Fromoy. You know, while it's the schools were big. There's, they were still small enough communities that you'd, you know, you could make connections with people really easily. You know? Yeah, you'd know everyone. And so teaching in, in that environment, I suppose, and, and discovering new things and obviously, you know, being in a much, much more multicultural environment. Yeah. Um, what, like what, what learnings did you take from that? Um, oh, well, like it was mad, like. I, I suppose I learned that it, it actually I, I had a few incidents that it made me think I didn't like teaching but I think it was more that I didn't research really into what kind of environments would would challenge me in the right way yes 
I mean, I, I remember one of the kids who used to teach God Lover, um, her, we were called into the staff room, this is like years and years ago, and they would, and they just had, to, I think, I don't know, GDPR nowadays might be different, but at the time they were just like, look, to say, you know, that she's got HIV and she got it from her stepdad and this is the story and this is the situation and her younger sister doesn't have it and she the younger sister was in the school as well and you know you're you're dealing with that and then you're also dealing with like another day someone was firing pellet guns in through the window of the photocopying room into the staff because they had a grievance do you know when you're exactly on and then (laughs) and I laugh at this now but then the other side of it is you'd be there like and you'd admire a pair of jeans and the kids would be up and like, yes, I can get one for you. <laughs> and I'm like, no, what, what, no, no. And they're totally like offering to rob the jeans and sell them to you. And you're just like, no, 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 no. I didn't mean like that, you know? Yeah. No, so like it was, it was, um, yeah, I, I came away like kind of, I suppose, completely shocked, you know? And, um, yes. but I suppose, I suppose maybe now with a level of maturity that I have now that I didn't have then, you'd deal with all these things. You'd be able to compartmentalize them and rationalize them differently to what you would yeah. have. When, like, you, I, you forget how young the teachers are. Like, they're only 21, 22 coming out. They're I was just going to say, when, when I think about sometimes the cheek that we gave our teachers and they were like so young, I mean, it's awful, really. <laughs> like, because, you know, there's not oh. a lot difference between a 60 you know 16 and 22 um yeah yeah, it's, it's, yeah. I, I know I agree I, I I went back subbing in the school I, I used to to go to oh my god the shame like went into the staff room and I remember one of the teachers said to me ah no Kino Connor you'll get it all back what you gave us all those years <laughs> and I was going yes miss and they were like you, you don't have to call a miss anymore I was like yes miss I just I can't like I can't actually call her by her first name but she's a human and I'm an adult and I yes but um yeah like you you go down to you know you're 22 and you go out on a Saturday night in the local pub and half the half the leaving certs are in the back (laughs) we we always were like you you always knew the good teachers because they they turn the blind eye they'd scoot around the side of the bar so that they could say that they didn't see you oh my god yeah I know but then um yeah, you, I suppose you have to understand as well, like that everyone's human. They're like, is in yeah. as as a nineteen or an eighteen or a seventeen year old looking up at your thirty something year old teacher, even just, you know, as you get older, you realise oh, they're just. Yeah, no, absolutely. And so, obviously, that was a huge experience. Did you come home after that, or or did you go off I, and adventure? Yeah, I came home after that one year, and um, I thought in oh my god, I thought and flushed on in y'all. That's amalgamated now, but I'm, I absolutely loved it. It was mixed school and um, like just the best crack, the best fun. It was such a positive experience. And I thought in North Press in Ballyfahan, um, that was a girls' school. They were so nice. Um, my only problem there was it's very basketball. And I, I just wasn't, I didn't have okay. the knowledge that, of yeah. basketball that I felt I, I should have had to really coach those girls properly, you know, but the teaching aspect, loved it. And then I, I thought in um, my own school, Yellow in Samoy, and loved it. I had the, I had the best um, timetable as well, 18 hours teaching and then four hours coaching football. Lovely. That was so good. It was lovely but um I I wasn't you know when you're not permanent somewhere um yeah. very easy to oh actually no yeah in the middle I, I went Australia in the middle and then came back 
And how long did you go to Australia for? What was that? was that just like I need a break or I'm not finding what I want or I'm just going to take a holiday? What was it? No, that was um, that was when I did the TV show, you know, in the jungle. Okay, no, tell us all about it. Um, do you know about this? No, I know okay. some, but I've not really heard the full story. Well, like this was back in the day when like, there's no social media. There was no yeah. like, Big Brother didn't exist. There was none of that. Like I, I wasn't doing it for any of that. Um, my flatmate in Loughborough had done a show called Shipwrecked and it was on Channel 4 and... I remember Shipwrecked. Did you remember Shipwrecked? Um, so great crack and she came home to us all about it and, and I was like, oh, that sounds like, sounds like it could be fun. Um, so I moved home anyway and I was on the internet and I saw um, apply here for Shipwrecked. So I was like, gosh, look, I've nothing else going on in me as well. <laughs> and so I did and fill out a form and they rang me the next day and they were like, oh, look, the closing date is actually tomorrow. Look, we're chasing up. Blah, blah. Anyway, it turns out, like, this doesn't happen in England, as you know, but it happens in Ireland all the time. But in England, you rarely make a connection with someone where you know someone who knows someone, you know? Yeah. This researcher rang me, and I was talking to her, and it turns out her dad was my gymnastics um, lecturer in Loughborough. <laughs> she was like, oh, my God. So she was like, look, send me um, 500 words on whatever, you know, by tomorrow. So I lashed off 500 words. I was sitting in the same class on own and y'all on a free class, okay. out some sort of a Charlie's Angels story about myself. And I um, sent that off. And then they were like, oh my God, send us video, send us video. And then um, I went to the studio in London, in Channel 4. Um, Vernon Kay was, was presenting it. And six guys and six girls. And they, uh, I had my bags packed and my mom and my friend Jerry was there and um, then they were like announced who was going so three girls went and three guys went so I went the next morning oh wow and we went for 14 weeks and we lived in oh yeah so I was supposed to be shipwrecked but then they kind of said to us a few weeks before look we're actually going to have shipwrecked in the jungle this time just to see if it's different I was like only I would bloody do <laughs> get to move to the freaking jungle like seriously got it for me but um, I'll go anyway and um yeah, we went 14 weeks living in a kind of a cleared out forest area, sleeping on a big bike. I actually was telling the butcher this morning, we were talking about chickens and free range chickens and high welfare and organic. And I was telling him that there was this chicken we had and um, it used to roam around all the time. And, and it took an awful liking to me. I used to sleep on a kind of a deck with a bivy bag. So I got up in the morning and the chicken would be up on my hip and um, it laid an egg on my hip one morning when I was looking at it. <laughs> Oh my yeah. God, I would freak out. I hate, I hate birds. <laughs> you? Oh. No, because you know what? You'd be lying in bed at night and there was kind of a little roof over us, but there was no walls and all the huntsmen, you'd see them. So you'd kind of get over the chickens when that, yeah. that sort of stuff was going on. Or I saw a snake one day in the potato garden and one night we were told to not move because there was a load of northeastern, I think, kangaroos. Yeah. Through the thing and... You know, you when you kind of one of the lads found a Sydney funnel web in his sock. A dead Sydney Sydney funnel web. They're really dangerous. Um, they had sprayed all the area before we went in, but after so many weeks, the the critters <laughs> come back in. <laughs> so yeah, I did that for fourteen weeks. And, and when doing that though, like you know, some people do, and obviously it's it's quite some time ago, so things are very different now. But I know. Um, again, you know, a lot of people that did things like that and got a bit of a bug for the TV thing. Like, did it make you think, oh, I wouldn't mind doing more of this? Yeah, like I loved the non-routine of it. I loved the fun part of it. You know, um, I 
I kind of didn't know what I was doing. It was great crack. We did whatever and came home. I, I, I won some money on it. And, and then I came home and I wanted to go back to college. So I, I used it to do a HD in marketing and management in UCC. But um, at the time, then a production company rang me and they were like, oh, look, we're doing this dating show. It's called Celebrity Five Go Dating. Do you want to do it? And we'll pay you and blah, blah. So I was like, sure, why not? Like, because then it's a bit of yeah. So we went over for five days and we filmed. We stayed in the apartment that in, it was in the Bridge of Jones diary. It was, oh my God, it was amazing. It was overlooking the river and it was right in London. And yeah, it was, it was, it was good fun. Like we all, the girls lived together and then the guys lived in a different yes. And I went, um, turns out I'm a bad date because you have to rate your date out of 10 at the end of the date. I came second last. <laughs> well, the boys came one to five because the girls were really nice. They were like, oh, I'll give him a nine. He was really nice. And then the yeah. boys were like, oh, I'll give her a four. <laughs> so all the girls rude. Like that. That's just rude. But did it give you a bug? Because if you think about kind of what you do now, you know, you are creating your own kind of, tv programs day you know when you do your cooking and everything it it, it you know you are well, the definitely give me a bug, like as in i i yeah no I, I loved all that just doing something different and fun and creating something and um oh yeah like if, if i suppose you asked me like if i ever had a dream job what would it be it would probably be in i mean i kind of regret sometimes not having done journalism and i'd love to go into broadcasting and sports part like i just that would have been the dream but yeah. um I never, I never pursued it, and I was also really conscious all the time of just because you've been on a reality TV show doesn't make you qualified to work in in television, you know. And then um, I came home, and yeah, like there were there were opportunities. Like some people said, "Look, come on, come to London, we'll get you an agent, do all that." But I, I don't know. I suppose I didn't have the courage. I didn't have the courage to go and do it, and then when when I was over here and other things come up kind of that are kind of opportunities you kind of just yes. go with them and I, yeah I do regret not pushing myself to have done it especially when the opportunities were there but then I kind of feel as well um would I be where I am you know it would be different uh, yeah but. yeah and and after being rejected on that horrendous show <laughs> how, how much later was it that, that you met your husband I had met him, um, but I didn't kind of start going out with him. Oh, a couple of months, like not, not, yeah. um, oh, six, seven months, like as in there was no, but actually I just met him in, in the pub in Pomoy, like as in. Oh, did you? Okay. I was going to say, but when you met him, did you, did you know, like they say, you know, when you know? No, no. I mean, I liked him, but yeah. um, no, I suppose, I suppose for me, it'd be more like if you feel, comfortable with someone and if you can't obviously all the, all the other stuff too but like it's when someone gets you and I think you eventually know no that Jesus I'm making it I'm sounding so not romantic and so like I suppose I settled for it and I didn't no I, I don't know I find it hard to articulate this um yeah but I suppose when you met him, did you, like, did you always have it in you that you wanted, you know, like you don't have a small family, you know, did you, did you always have it in your head that that was going to be part of your life? You wanted to meet. Oh yeah, yeah, like I did. No, 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 I did. I did. I always want, like, I always wanted to get married and have kids, but like, I always reserve the right to change my mind as I go along as well. Yeah. You know, you know what I'm saying? So like, I'd be very much like, um, 
do you know what actually I, I thought donald skihan summed it up perfectly in a podcast he did with goodlow he said this is the right thing for now and i'd be very much like that in, with regards to yes this is how i feel now and i'm going to go with that because this is right but if that ever changes you know i'm not as you evolve and as you grow yeah. what you want changes but obviously with regards to having a family yeah i always wanted to have one and um no i never want i never ever would have said i'd have four kids like i i was the person who'd be like four kids who have four kids like you can't fit them in the car and like that's just madness and my husband would be like i know like whatever he's one of nine and i'd be like no seriously four like are you and then um yeah, I ended up with four. <laughs> yeah, but I—I I mean, I have to like—I'm one of five, and um, but there's big gaps between us all. But I—I I, I do love having four yeah. sisters. Like I couldn't imagine not having, a, you know, yeah, I just couldn't imagine life without them. But it's funny when you say like, you know, you can only do now because I've just finished the book, The Power of Now, actually, and you know, and, it, and he says in that that most of our stresses come from projecting history. Oh, or, really? Yeah, come from history or what we perceive will happen in the future. But actually the only thing that we need to worry about is right now. Um, and if we did that, we'd be less stressed. That's true, but I, like I am, I am desperate for um, planning and worrying. But I, I think that's one thing I've really learned in the pandemic as well is, um, just try not to it'll work out that's the thing it's like it'll work out whatever it is it'll work out and you'll deal with it and it'll be fine and you know it, there's no point getting worked up about it you know and yeah, I, I'm much better now at not getting worked up about the smaller things I agree I completely agree I mean somebody asked me the day what do you see you know do you see any blocks in your future and I was like well I don't even worry about it anymore, to be honest, because if we've learned something in the last 12 months, if there is a block, you have to just work your way around it. Yeah, I think that's a huge positive that we've learned. Like if, if anyone had said, you know, all these companies will <clears throat> be able to get people home to work from home, they'd yeah. said no. They, because I think there would have been a reluctance to invest in it. And I also think that um, unless everyone's doing it, no one's going to do it in the sense of, who, you know, do they want to be the pioneer and then maybe if yeah. you know, and have spent all this money so now when everyone had to do it together you know they were forced into it but i think there's you know if there's one thing we can take from it is this huge positive so i think there'll be a lot more um flexi time options work from home options i think it'll really benefit women um not just you know per, like also professionally with their careers like i think you'll have a lot of women who not only aren't in the workforce in, uh, you know that expression they have about brain drain when people emigrate and you lose yes but I, I feel it's the same in the workforce with women like you have a lot of women who have to who have to step back and it, it, there's a difference between wanting to step back and having to step back I feel as I have to step back because of of family life or whatever commitments they have and and that could be caring for a parent as well like you know it's not just but um I think this will provide a lot, a lot of opportunity and I also feel that there's a lot of people women who are working but they may not be doing what they could really do well. So we'll give them the opportunity to step sideways and then progress from there, as opposed to just staying in that same line that they're on that doesn't fulfill them. 
Yeah, I think this has been a really good year for women. Um, like all I'm reading is how stressful it's been. And yes, the women have taken the brunt because they tend to take the responsibility of the household. And if there's homeschooling, they tend to be the one responsible, not always, but tend to. But actually all I've seen is women go, actually, that's not what I want. Yeah. I'm actually going to do this about it. And and people have really kicked a few doors down and and... Yeah. I, I just hope that we keep doing that. Yeah, like my biggest worry coming out of this really is um, on the streets. And what I mean by that is I don't think we have any understanding of what this has done to small businesses. And I don't think we will until it all reopens and we'll see all these empty units. Because like, how do I know that John down in Douglas, who's got a sign up and his unit saying closed since... 31st of December or whenever it was, not 29th, whenever it was. Like, how do I know that he's not already folded and gone? Do you know what I mean? We and a lot of them have. That. And it's funny, actually, you know, on Monday, I got um, a rate bill for my bricks and mortar business. And I got very upset. Not upset for me. I got upset because I rang them and they said, don't worry, you don't have to pay it. The government are helping people. But I thought about a lot of the people that I was working with that are really at their end of their tether. And mentally, they've no more to give. And if they got that letter and thought that they had to pay it and didn't think to make that phone call, it could have actually put them over the edge. Oh, totally, yeah. Like I would, like I, I think that's a huge worry. Um, and I think as well, like, I mean, and this is just me hypothesizing, like I don't have a scientific um, insight into this at all, but my worry, anything, my worry would be for mental health, not just now, but, you know, I think that, like even going forward, I think this is something that, there'll be a bit of kind of post-traumatic stress from it from you know, really under pressure like you don't just when things open up again you won't just unwind from it now I don't mean to sound negative because I think you know that there is a way for this to be you know to become positive and there is help and there are but for me I, I like I do worry for people that um you know there'll be a repercussion yeah. down the line mentally but I think you know even that you're having the conversation and you're aware of it all we can do is look after each other and I think if you if the if people can be aware of that, that's the first step. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I do agree, yeah. But, like, the thing is, um, sometimes the person themselves, they're not even aware of it. Like, no, I know. That's when you have to mind them. Yeah, you know, so good. Okay, on to more cheery things. Um. Actually, so I've got, I've got a question for you. Like, so when, when Instagram started and you opened and you joined Instagram did you know did you realize where it was going to take you oh, and, and where you are today <laughs> no, no, I remember like asking Sabrina, Sabrina yeah I remember saying to her in her salon now over in Landmark like I've been going to Sabrina now since 94 oh no god no sorry that's wrong when did I go to Thailand 2005 so I remember being inside in Sabrina's in 2003 or 4 before I went to Thailand and I remember anyway, whatever year it was, Instagram. I remember saying to Sabrina, do you know that on Instagram? Do you know people can follow you? And I'd been on it like about six months. And she goes, yeah, no, that's the whole thing. And I was like, what do you mean? I said, I start to just put filters on pictures and make yeah. And she was like, no, like people can follow you. And that's a thing, like where people follow. And she'd explain it to me like I was in, I had a clue. Brilliant. And then I just kind of didn't get it like. And then I always, you know, I, I was a medical rep then for 10 years, but I wanted to do something more creative. You know, I, I just loved writing. And um, I was like, you know, something kind of eats away at you that you just want to make something. Yes. I was like, 
it was all blogging then. So I started blogging. But Instagram was only a way to feed your blog. You know, yeah. you launch your blog. It wasn't like an entity on its own as such. So I was using it for that. And then I suppose the marketing part of it grew, you know, where brands started advertising and it, like mine was a slow one and it was, you know, it was very, um, yeah, no, it was slow, but enjoyable. It, it was kind of... It didn't feel slow, watch it, like because I watched it because actually I, I was sitting on the other side of Sabrina's salon having my nails done. <laughs> there was a lot of people in Sabrina's salon. That... I know, oh my God. Yeah, those walls in Glamour and in town in, in her new salon. Absolutely. Oh, and... So many stories. But even if you look back five years, like in the last five years, so much has happened. Oh, you got, oh it's completely changed. Like it wasn't, when I started out, I suppose there wasn't, it wasn't so much of an industry in Ireland. It was more, um, you know, you're kind of feeling the way and it was emerging. Whereas in the last yes. two years, it's, it really is in the last two, two to three years, but the last two years, it's really, really grown. And like, I understand why, because it's, it's, that's where a lot, especially the younger people are. And it's, I suppose if someone wants to target a market, it's a good way to, to target a very specific market, you know? A very Absolutely. And, but I think, you know, it's, it's weird actually, because a year ago it has said like, um, I see sort of that influencer market staying for a certain period of time, but I think it will change and evolve. And, and I haven't really seen it change much over the last year, apart from it, it's definitely got stronger. Um, and I think it's it's a little bit different how it works now. Like I noticed like people like, say, Ema Varian Barry, she puts like ad break and she... A lot of the, a lot of the English girls do that. Or yeah. The English market, they all do that. Um, their, their regulations are slightly different as well, but um, I don't see the Irish girls doing that. And so I don't know. I don't know what... It's difficult to know what... Like I, I like people to understand there's an ad coming you have to anyway but even that yes. i like them to understand it because they have context but also like if they want to flip through it they can just flip through it you know as in it's up to them and you kind of give them back the power then where if they're just not interested they can just so what would you say for you the best bit what's the the, the most loved thing you love about doing it oh there's kind of two things there's i kind of feel the back end and the front end from the back end i just love when i've made a reel and i put the music okay. And then you put the music on it and then you're like, like the music changes a piece of video so much. And I love when I put the music on it and it's done and you're like, oh, it's done. You know, and it looks nice and it's shiny. Um, and I also love the people. Like, isn't that's what it's all about. Like, no matter where you work, it's about relationships and people. And um, like, I've met so many people that I've never met. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? And like, I probably would never have met you, you know, for yeah. that. And it's, it's, yeah, it's, I think it's a really nice way to, to meet people, to interact with people, to help people. People help me as well. Like, it's not all, you know, it's, it's two ways. And I love as well that um, you can learn just so much from, and it, does, it doesn't have to be a big thing. It's the little yeah. thing. And what would you say was the worst part of it? Oh, the worst part is definitely just negativity. And that's right yeah. at the moment. And I understand, like, people are... Um, I suppose people are, I don't say bitter, but there's an element of tiredness and just exhaustion. Um, but like there is a lot of, uh, it's okay to have constructive criticism and it's okay to have 
a conversation where you have two different sides. I absolutely welcome that. But I don't like seeing unnecessary negativity. Um, and I would imagine the younger, I'd, I'd imagine it's, it's, it's worse. Um, I just think I'd be very much live and let live though. Like I wouldn't have. Yeah, I, I kind of still go with my mum's. If you've got nothing nice to say, keep your gob shut. <laughs> well, I agree with that, and everyone's entitled to their opinion. And opinion is opinion fine. Is opinion right. is fine. But you don't necessarily always have to give that opinion to the person if it's not go if, if no good is going to come from it, or if really it there's no benefit. Yeah. Like sometimes there's absolutely no benefit to some of the stuff. But then, but the other thing I will say though is um. You have to be very careful as well with regards to understanding text because sometimes somebody's sentiment will read completely differently to what they actually mean. So, you know, often I'll go back and I'll not see clarification, but you'll answer the question, but then they'll come back and they'll give you more context and you'll explain that's not actually what they meant at all. Like, they, you know what I mean? So you should be mindful of that as well. But um, on the flip side as well, you also have to be mindful to to stepping away from it all. Like I mean, I'd be the first person to say social media should only be like a small part of someone's life. It should only be yeah. something you check in and you check out of. And it's like a magazine. Instead of buying a magazine nowadays, you, you know, you have your social media and also that, you know, if someone is providing content for you, people get, not everyone, but some people can get really angry about ads and be like, oh, it's all ads. But like, if this person, yeah, if you're consuming their content, if you're consuming their content, um, you know, you maybe, you'd be gracious enough to just go with them with the ads and a clever a clever person will only they'll make the ads interesting they'll make them relevant there'll be a yes. takeaway from it but um the bottom line is like you've been advertised to you your whole life worked on rte growing up advertising open grazia magazine pages and pages of advertising do you know so like it's 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 everywhere but anyway so if I asked you, so if I, I'd never looked at your page before and someone oh, said, no, what would you like people to take from your page? I do you know what, and it's changed over time. Yeah. But I just want to make like food fun. I suppose my stories and my page, they may, might give two different elements, but like, I just want to make food fun. I want, I don't want ever someone to, look at it and think feel bad about themselves I don't want them to think that anything that I say I have that they need to have that to be happy I don't I don't want that but I'd like it to be fun and to make people think I could do that you know I can yeah. make that um oh look isn't that potted plant in the garden a good idea <laughs> I'm only because I'm looking out my window now <laughs> <laughs> no but do you know what I mean I want it to be something positive that someone can tap into be inspired by they may not necessarily make that recipe but it might tip away in their heads that eventually they'll make some sort of a recipe or do something and um but i also want it to be something that someone then when they tune off from they just kind of forget yeah. about because you know what i mean so it's lighthearted and yeah you're not doing cliffhangers da, da, da. <laughs> and no makeup tutorials i'm afraid I'm yeah, <laughs> but you know I think you do it really well someone texted me last night when you were on the six o'clock show and they were like oh my god isn't she lovely she comes across so lovely, oh, that's said, so lovely. but that's how she is in real life you know you are you do your personality shines through and I think you can you know you are very real and I think that's why you have such a, a, a you know a great following and that's why people come and follow you 
Oh, thank you. And it's funny because um, like uh, it's weird. Like people say to me, they're like, "Oh, I don't." They they nearly have a different impression of me in real life to my Instagram life, and I don't want it to be that way. So I'm like, I'm obviously missing some link to. I don't talk a whole lot anymore in my stories because I don't want to be annoying people. You know what I mean? Okay. Well, so I, I don't, know, I don't think you are. I don't think you are. And and uh, like you know, listen. I mean. I started following, I suppose we've watched Jacob grow up and, oh God, yeah. you know, it's, it's scary, but. That's a whole other thing, actually. So the girls now are nearly ripping the phone off, off me trying to be on my social media and I'm very much trying really not to have them on it, but they can yes. be on photographs if they want. Like, you know, then I'm trying to, but, oh my God, the TikTok generation, um, like, and I don't know was it locked down, but if I have to stand there and watch another TikTok dance, like I, I was actually my eyes were bleeding at one stage. I was just like, but it's mad, isn't it? Like my niece had a ring light. She's nine. She had a ring light for Christmas. That's what she wanted. You know, they they want to create, and you're like, Helen said the other day, she was like, oh, she's all into like I want to be an actress and I want to be a scientist and I want to be all this, you know, everything. But then she's like, and I nearly fell off my chair because I, I've never even used this phrase. Yeah. I didn't even know it was a thing. She was like, yeah, like I just, I really like to be social media queen. And I was like, oh, I nearly puked. I was like, oh my God. And, and in my head, I was like, I can't think of anything worse. Why <laughs> <laughs> you? But I like, and I, um, I do assume, and maybe it's a comfort thing based on nothing. I do assume they would be better equipped to deal with that world because they've grown up with it. Yeah. But I mean, we don't have a study saying that. So like, uh, this could be me comforting myself. You know what I mean? I don't know. I went into Trend Micro and I had some chats with them about, you know, um, cyber safety and, you know, the long-term effects of this. And the end line is if we, if we don't have the information, no, and I think I, I, there's definitely going to be changes and things have to happen. We have to, there, there has to be more protection, yeah. um, like across the board. There just has to be more protection um, because it's not going away. It's with us forever. This is how we live our life now. So we have to make sure that people are safe doing it. Oh, no, I agree. Um, I, I find it really difficult to understand how a newspaper has, is so regulated with what they can print but yet these platforms aren't being held accountable. They're not publishers. But like, yeah. who's the publisher? So me, but like, if I, if I write an article for a newspaper, the newspaper is the publisher. So if I write a comment on Facebook, how come Facebook's not the publisher? You know? Yeah, it's weird. I, I don't get that either. But my friend got banned from Facebook. I shouldn't say she's my friend, <laughs> but she, she is my friend. She got banned from Facebook for making a comment, which was about somebody being wrong you know being racist and she said that's very racist and they banned her because she used the word oh my god and i was like well do you know actually i was really pleased to hear that because forever banned or banned for once uh she was banned for three days but she had to fill out a report and then actually she couldn't get her page back but they so i was like okay if you're gonna do that then i think you know that's a good thing you stop the use of a word but you know she wasn't using it in a bad context, I suppose. Is, is... Yeah, but they obviously it just put some intelligence on, on the software. Yeah. But I, I was I was pleased to see it. I was like, okay, I, they're obviously doing something. But uh, but yeah, I think there'd be changes. But I think, you know, this is the way of life. So there has to be some sort of regulation. Oh, there has to be. 
there has to be, it, 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 like, you know, Google says you have the right to be forgotten. But like, yeah. Oh, uh, well, you are who Google says you are at the end of the day. <laughs> so it's, um, it's crazy. But, but um, look, if, just with regards on that, I would try to be very aware, not just of protecting the person who's been written about, but equally, um, the person who's doing the writing, mm. like, and I, I'm not necessarily talking about a grown adult who is responsible for themselves, but like, I feel, you know, you have to educate kids with regards to, you know, the repercussions, what's appropriate to write, um, and, and not necessarily the repercussions legally, but I, I mean, mentally for someone else, like what, what you're doing to someone else. Oh, absolutely. So like as a parent, I would, I, you know, you often ask yourself the question, would you rather your child be bullied or be the bully? You know, and that's, that's a whole other. And that's the same thing with regards to all this social media. And, and I'm not just talking about bullying, but, you know, it's that whole, you know, like... No, I completely get it. I think, you know, the bully, there's, there's hurt there and there's pain there without a doubt. You, you don't, you're not mean to somebody unless there's something wrong with you and as a parent I'm, I'm as a parent like it's, it's it's trying to navigate that like as in oh my god how do i ed educate my child in in all those ways you know what i mean with regards to just being yeah. sensitive to people's feelings um with regards to uh, the whole lot you know yeah do you know what it's huge it's a whole a whole new subject and actually um the next series of bbal is going to just be in conversation and we're going to be talking about all of these subjects in but in groups and um i'm really looking forward to to hopefully coming up with some solutions yeah it's it's yeah it's definitely interesting because like i mean i if i think of one of my kids being bullied oh my god like yeah Herself. but then if you think of your child inflicting that hurt on someone else oh my god like oh no parents like oh do you know so it's it's mad and it's it's um when you're young it's very black and white with regards to right and wrong but like as you get older you you learn that there's so many layers to everything everything yeah you know? oh no without a doubt so i have to get you on for that one we'll have oh, to come yeah. back to this and revisit it but listen we have to go to the jar. We're going to finish with a few questions from your predecessors. Um, so I'm just going to pick, I'll pick two maybe randomly. Let's go with the first one. Oh, what's the best book you've read recently? Um, do you know what I really enjoyed? I'm trying to remember the name of this. Oh, my God. Called, um, oh I, I'm really bad. I have a Kindle. No, I'm so glad I can't remember the name. <laughs> I'm laughing because this is like one of my book reviews I, or, or film review. I always say, you know, the bloke with the black hair that was in Emmerdale that was, <laughs> and my husband's like, you should just do a review show. <laughs> Worst for not acting on the name of your book. It's um, The House on the Hand. I'm going I'm to have to because um, it, it's a World War II book and it's about the house on the, oh. the side of the street. <laughs> No, do you know, um, I'm sorry, you're going to have to, like, you're actually going to have to. I'll put it, I'll put it in the, in, in the explanation. Anyway, it is. It's a great book and it's about a house and it's. Yeah. <laughs> We're going to have, no, like, this is really bad. 
It's grand. Give me the next one. Where's your favourite place to visit in Ireland? Now we're going, we're stretching now from all that's Cork and Kerry. Love Kerry, like I do love Kerry. The only problem with Kerry is it's not Cork. <laughs> um, I love going to Ross Bay, I love going to Valley Bunyan. The beach in Valley Bunyan is hard to beat. Like, I haven't been, it's on my list. I'm gonna go, and I love West Cork. Like, yeah, I do think West Cork. I think we're so, I mean, now that the county's open, I, I'm happy out because I just get in the car on a Saturday morning and come back Saturday night and just adventure. My final question for you is what smell reminds you of a fond memory? Oh, I'm still Googling the book. Um You know what? There's loads, but a lasagna kind of always reminds me of growing up. No one used to have lasagna. Lasagna, yeah. Parmesan on top. Yeah. I love that smell. I love scones as well, like my mum would always have. Baked scones. Pizza with um, soda bread base. Maybe carbs, carbs, basically bread, scones, pasta. <laughs> no, I love those childhood memories. I, 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 do you know what else I love? Um, it's like, what was <laughs> what smell reminds you of a fond memory? Yeah, I was going to say, what was the question? Because, um, I also love this is a really random one. But I, I was really lucky growing up. We always, mom and dad worked in education. So they had teachers holidays as such. So we yes. Trailer tent, we used to go to France for like August. I love the smell of when you're on the ferry, that engine smell that nearly makes you want to be sick sometimes. But, yeah. And it's not necessarily a good smell, but that smell always, it's, you know, when you're driving in on the car deck and it's that, that smell. I know it. That smell always brings me back, like all my, my childhood. And now I, I, when we used to be able to go on holidays, it reminds me of excitement, fun, yeah. it's family time. It's, you know, I, I Funny, actually, I miss that smell. That, that for me, like every year, Christmas, I'd get the ferry home to Wales and in the summer, I always take my car. Yeah, you see, that's, that's it. I have to find the name of this book. It's about the two sisters. They're resistance fighters, the two sisters. Um, Amazing. And they basically hid in, in this house and they harbored the juice okay. is so interesting and I'm actually horrified that I can't remember the name of it I'm going to put it I'll put it in the description of the podcast I have to give you an award that was the worst book review ever <laughs> <laughs> but Kleena listen um thank you so so <laughs> honestly thank you so much for joining me today I'm going to get you back when we do in discussion we're going to talk about what we spoke about today because I think that's a whole subject of its own um I've loved finding out a little bit more or as always about you and um I should have stuck with that like I should have stuck with the obvious one <laughs> brilliant I love it you're an absolute star you're grand thank you thank you so much for having me it was great fun no problem at all